Welcome back to another week of Please Stop the Podcast. I'm Chaz. I'm Katie. That was really good. I asked Chaz if she was ready to do her intro because she asked if she could do it and she took a second to collect her thoughts and that was actually a really good one. No confidence in that one, but it it, it um executed well. Yeah, it got the job done. I'm pretty tired today, but we're going to power through as usual. You're tired from your from last night? Yes. I just realized I can't, I'm not used to sleeping next to people. I'm like a very strict solo sleeper now. Even if it's romantic, platonic, makes no difference to me anymore. Please stop. It's like I I just want to be able to cuddle and then sleep maybe in the same room, but I just can't have anyone in my bed once I'm actually done cuddling, ready to go to sleep. It's like when you go to a hotel and you have the two full-size beds next to each other. Like you need that, but in your bedroom. Yeah. I do love that layout. Um, I actually, I love sleeping next to people, but it is always really like hot and sweaty and like it gets uncomfortable after a while. I like to fall asleep snuggling and then you separate. That's the, that's the key. Well, that's basically what happened, but it was still just having the presence of someone, even if it's, you could be super comfortable with the person, but I don't know. I'm just not used to it. I'm just a very picky sleeper, I guess, especially now, but yeah. So I slept, it took me like five hours to adjust and then I was out and it was great, but I'm still just going off of like three hours. So just bear with me. Oh, but where should we start today? Hmm, you're sleepy too. Yeah, I'm also sleepy. I'm just adjusting to my new schedule. I work on Mondays now, so I have a real Monday to Friday schedule for the first time ever in my like real professional career, my like full-time career life. I am working like a Monday through Friday. It's not a nine to five, but it's it's definitely an adjustment. This weekend, I actually did physically grab someone on a bike. Oh, yeah. You wrote, you almost pushed a guy off his bike. Yes. I had the best day. It was such, in just the best, most chill, relaxed mood, going to meet up with my other really good friend. And this giant flock of bikers, a hundred of them, not even exaggerating, were driving, riding down both lanes of traffic, speeding through um, sidewalks, crosswalks, all of it, and almost hitting people. And this traffic was stopped. And they're just on bicycles. This wasn't even a motorized vehicle. And I refused to stop or go around them. So I waited for one to get in my arm's length that almost knocked me over. And I grabbed his waist and propelled him away from me. And I said, you fucking idiots. What are you doing? He didn't fall off his bike. But I didn't give a fuck if he did or not because he almost hit me. Yeah, that's crazy. Was it... It's like the tour to Chelsea. What is that? Do you Did you like look up what it is? I don't know, but I really hope they get legal repercussions because at the council member's office, I get calls in all day long from elderly people saying someone almost killed me on their bike, a hit and, or someone hit me and biked away, hit and runs. And I just can't stand a brazen bicyclist. And this, I've never seen any, any, um, this bold of a group of assholes. Was it, it wasn't a race. It wasn't like a city sanctioned race. No. no, it was just a bunch of idiots, mainly teenagers. Ew. Popping wheelies and shit and just speeding through crowds of people. 
and driving down the wrong way of traffic. So I took it upon myself to physically grab. I mean, when I say I grabbed his waist, I grabbed his waist and just. You assaulted this man. Well, it was self-defense because he almost ran me over. I had to get him out of my way. (laughs) I was waiting for it, though. I just. Oh, my God. I had a great weekend, but that was one of the highlights. Wow. I got into an altercation with a man outside of the downtown studio today. It's like downtown Austin is pretty crazy in general. There's there's always something like over the weekend, someone walked past the front windows oh, completely naked, just a naked woman in the middle of downtown Austin. The woman didn't even have there was not even a hair tie on her wrist. There wasn't a sock on her foot, 100 percent naked strolling down the street. And then today, this guy had like come by the studio earlier in the morning when I, before I got there and the door was locked because we lock it because crazy fucking people are always wandering around downtown. And I guess he was like trying to open the door and they didn't open it for him, obviously, because he was creepy. And so we flipped them off and he like pushed our little sign over and then walked away. And then tonight I was there and he came back and he literally like picked the sign up and threw it down the sidewalk and smashed it and broke it. So we don't have a marketing board anymore. He just like broke our shit. And so one of my like front desk girls ran after him because she saw it happen. And we were I, like, my back was turned to it. So I ran after them. And I was just like, yo, I was like, what the fuck? And then he screamed at me and he called me a bitch. Yeah, a lot of altercations. Well, it's tricky because obviously working for the council member too, a lot of it is people without a home who are suffering from mental health crisis crises. And it's really hard to like in those situations, I feel like the best thing to do is just lock yourselves in because you never know if they have a weapon. And also you can't even hold them accountable because sometimes they are completely out of their minds. Well, that was the thing. I was like yelling at him because he was yelling at like my staff ran after him. Like I wouldn't have gone out there at the same time as him if she hadn't done that. But I was like, I can't let her go out there alone. And like, I'm in charge here. So she's out there. He's like screaming at her. And so I ran out to like get him away from her and like help her carry it back in. And so I ran out there and I was just like, yo, knock it off. And he just, like, started – he, like, turned on me then and, like, started yelling at me. And I, like – your rational response is to, like, try to reason with them and be, like, don't touch things that aren't yours. Like, don't break someone's shit. I'm going to call the police. Like – and then I was just, like, I don't know why I'm bothering to, like, even say this to him. I was just, like, I got to go. Well, and, like, yeah, you said with the woman who seemed, like, also without a home and naked, that's someone who – you just never know what state they're in mentally. And the, that is some of the most dangerous people. And it's really sad because you do want to help them too. You don't want a woman humiliating herself, being naked, walking around town. But that's also an indicator of, okay, something is severely wrong. She's in crisis. Like It's scary because you never know, do I help? Do I defend myself? You know, If they're, if they're on a bike and they're s- mentally stable – Push them off the bike if they get in your way. <laughs> if they are appearing to be, you know, without a home and kind of out of their minds, then lock yourself in the door. Call 911. I can't tell you how many times working in Flatiron and Upper East Side specifically and Union Square, I would have those encounters. And I used to want to fight them and like defend myself, but it got to the point where it's just so dangerous. And you don't want them to start waiting for you because if they are homeless without a home like the pc without home whatever but if they are homeless that means they probably know when you're gonna open in the mornings too if they're always in that area Mm -hmm. and these sometimes people not saying homeless people just saying people in general can get vindictive well that's the thing he obviously was because he came back like 
He had fucked with it this morning and gotten mad. And then he came back and it was like five times the reaction of this morning. He didn't just knock it over. He like threw it down the sidewalk and broke it. And it's like, I hate that there's no repercussion for that. Like you shouldn't be able to just touch someone's property and break it and get away with it. Like that's so not okay. But also it's like, what are the police realistically going to do? Like, it's not like the man has, is going to like pay to fix it. Or like, it's not like we're going to pursue that. It's not like the police are going to go find him for that. Like they have better shit to do, I'm sure. Right. So then you just have to be like, okay, now my stuff's broken. What the hell? Better the sandwich board than your face. That's true. I don't know. I was just pissed. Well, when someone has nothing to lose financially, it's kind of like, I've said this before with our physician assisted suicide talk. Like when you really have nothing to lose and nothing in your, like nothing of value to you in your life and you are that unhinged, that is when you hold a lot of power and that is in a very scary situation. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So just be careful. Austin's it's sad. Austin, like we've talked about this. Austin's homeless community population is like out of control. It has gotten completely insane. And thank God the city's getting cleaned up, honestly. Like, the police are finally able to enforce Prop B, which means that they can, like, prosecute people who camp in public. So a lot of that is gone. Like, I went running by the river today. All of the camps are gone. Thank God. It feels so much safer in a lot of the city. But downtown is just always going to be nuts. Like the shelter's right there. You get a lot of transient people. You get just like a lot of people who are doing drugs. And it's never going to be like super safe downtown, I don't think. No, it's it's sad because ideally there would be enough housing, like low-income housing, shelters to accommodate everyone. And like people watching to make sure illegal activities aren't being promoted. But like it's just out of control. They don't have a grasp on it. Honestly, it's like hard to working in the housing crisis. It's hard to get mad at it, but also I get it because I, you don't feel, you don't feel safe. Mm -mm. I love that we discussed our altercations this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) AOC's dress was really annoying. Did you see how? I love that you're bringing this up. This is a perfect transition. We're going from politics to politics. Um, Yeah. Her tax the rich dress at the Met Gala. So performative. It was I mean, I don't give a shit if it's performative. I just thought that it was in poor taste and in bad etiquette. She's just becoming like a caricature of herself at this point. I mean, the fact that Anna Winter extended an invitation to her, that like she was even like on the guest list for that, and then to show up, just use it to make a political statement. And like, I don't know, that's just, that's not what that event is about. And I feel like it pulled focus from what the event should be about. And it was just kind of rude, in my opinion. It, it wasn't even a political statement. It was just a moment to show off and get attention, like a hissy fit, just like the peg the patriarchy situation. Yeah. What good are you causing? What what positivity? What like what are you promoting? You're just you're wanting to make headlines. It's like they really thought they did something, and everyone was like, eh, "No." The designer hasn't paid taxes in how long? Which is very ironic. It's so stupid. Like, just uh, there are so many better uses of her time, of her platform. And, like, if you're going to the Met, go to the fucking Met. Right. Like, just appreciate the event. Not every single thing has to be this dark, heavy, harsh political statement. I know I'm white. 
I get it. I know I need to do my part for activism, but there is a time and a place and you don't constantly have to be showing off and reminding people, yes, I stand for this. You don't. So this is why you suck. Like you can know when to just kind of have a more balanced, calmer approach. It doesn't always have to be like 24 seven. Let me pound everything in your face and brag about why I'm better. Cause my views are this and like insult you. This like virtue signaling. Yeah. Of like, I'm so virtuous. I got invited to this big fancy event and I'm using it as an opportunity to like, you know, promote taxing the rich. Like also just the way that she did it with the paint on the dress. It was very like, yeah, very like political activist. What's that? Um, Oh my God. Social justice. It was like swerfs or something. What's that term? Social justice warrior? Something like that. I don't know. It's just, it, With the paint on the dress, it's like the vegans throwing paint at fur. It's like, I understand where you're going with this. Wrong time, wrong place. Well, again, it's not raising really awareness. It's just you, you wanted some memes about you. You wanted your social media up. Like, I get wanting attention to bring attention to your cause, but <laughs> come on. Like, we're a little tired right now. It's just the Met. Mm-hmm. Just have a nice night. Enjoy the evening that you were invited to. Do not bite the hand that feeds. And like, yes, I understand. She's not talking about the rich people who are attending the Met Gala. Like she's talking about like Jeff Bezos and billionaires, you know, not millionaires necessarily. She's not talking about Anna Winter, but it just seemed like it was just inappropriate. He didn't specify. It was like a very blatant, bold statement that gave you no real education no real information, no real reasoning. It was just um, a shock value performative thing. And it really discredits, like I stand for a lot of what AOC does stand for, but that is not the way to go about it. It just reminds me when there's like a religious person constantly trying to get you to convert and every single thing is, thank God for that. Let's pray before we eat. You know, you're God's child, right? You're only going through this tough time because God knows you can handle it. Like, Shut, just shut up and let me breathe. Let me wear my nice dress. Let me be around the celebrities. Let's just have a moment to take away from all the stress and, and shit in the world and just focus on the fashion for one hour. Absolutely. I, I, exactly. I agree with a lot of what AOC does. Yeah, of course. I mean, of course. Yeah. Just well, because you agree with someone doesn't that. mean that they are beyond criticism. And I think this is a valid criticism. All fa- all's fair in fashion. I don't believe in like, you know, kumbaya, like let's hold hands around the campfire. You know, you can't judge people based on what they're wearing. I know fashion police back in the day with Joan Rivers got a lot of shit because they were bullying and they were mean. And it's like, it's all good fun. Like it's just what's on your body. It doesn't say anything about you as a person. It is just remarking on taste and style and like what something looks like the aesthetic of something like that is all criticism about a red carpet is and I think people take it way too seriously yeah but like it's okay to criticize someone for this it's okay to criticize me or Chaz for what we wear like who cares at the end of the day I care but it's the hypocrisy surrounding the fact that the designer had not been paying taxes so it's just a joke. I actually I hadn't read that. What? What? Did, I don't even know what designer it was. So the designer behind the tax, the rich dress, 
<laughs> Aurora James's company, Brothers Bellies, um, has three open tax warrants in New York for failing to withhold nearly 15 grand worth of income taxes from employees' paychecks. Wait, that's hilarious. That is fucked up and so funny. This is what I mean, the hypocrisy. So yes, you brought attention to it and you just discredited your your movement because of <laughs> how little research you did on the dress that you so boldly promoted. So what does this say about you as a whole? And it's not a good look. For no, what that's we're such a bad look. That is hysterical though. For, for <laughs> what we're trying to do for human rights, what she is trying to do, which obviously I'm all for, this is not the way to go about it. This is a, a laughing stock. So anyway, well, still better than Peg the Patriarchy though. That's really just so cringe. Like calm down. It, that was, yeah, nothing was worse than that. It was so bad. Also, I feel like Cara Delevingne, like she's kind of fallen off. She had her moment. I com- yes. She like, I don't know what's relevant about her anymore. I don't know what she's doing. I feel like she tried to branch out into acting. I don't know. And then she really fell off. Yeah. Well, I hate it when ugh, when celebrities who are really, really good at what they start out doing then try to branch out. Like Selena Gomez was such a good little actress. She was so fun to watch. She was a rising star. And then she branched out into music, which she is like mediocre at best. Yeah. She is not very good at music. And like she just did that for so long. And I'm like, you could be great at acting and you gave it up to just go be like middle of the road at something lady gaga did it well though transitioning into acting yeah the few. Yes. he did it right i don't know not many people have done it right but lady gaga did do that right but i think she also kind of stayed in her lane she like did a movie musical um well i guess this leads into you had put new york fashion week how to get in why it's all fake and who is that actually busy going to shows? What do you mean by it's all fake? Yes. So since New York Fashion Week just happened in New York along with the Met Gala, I thought it would be fun to talk about New York Fashion Week and like what actually happens at New York Fashion Week because I think a lot of people are watching the TikToks or just seeing the Instagrams and you just see, you know, the parties and the beautiful outfits and all of that. Um, I went to fashion school. That's my fun credentials for why I I can talk about all of this. Honestly, anybody can talk about it. It's just fashion. It's not like you need education to be good at styling. Um, But I do have a bit of insider knowledge about New York Fashion Week. And I can tell people how to get into shows if they want to know. Tell us. Um, So here's the trick about – here's actually the big secret about New York Fashion Week is – most of it, like the back end of it, is run by people who, number one, aren't being paid to be there or aren't being paid very much to be there. It's a lot of interns. And number two, these people have zero authority whatsoever. So if you want to get into a fashion show for New York Fashion Week, go try to get in backstage. Like, don't try to go, like, sit in the audience because that's really well, like, you know, they check tickets, you have assigned seating, there's like standing room, there's like a capacity on that. Backstage is a fucking free for all. Just wear black because that's what backstage people wear. Like interns and production people and all of that. Just wear an all black outfit, look chic and go in and literally act like you are like assistant to a designer or I'm the assistant to this person. I'm the assistant to the creative director of Essie Nail Polish. Go up and say that. It doesn't, it does not matter if your name is on the list. 
I have worked these events for multiple years, like while I was in college, the lists were never accurate. And you are absolutely terrified the whole time that you're going to not give a pass to an important person or you're going to give a pass to the wrong person. But your boss is running around and they're busy and they are not answering anything that you're asking them. And they also don't know what the fuck you're doing. So I just let the people through. It is so easy to get into fashion shows. You literally just walk up, act like you're important, be like, oh, my name's on the press list, da-da-da, I'm with this publication. And if it's not, be like, I'm attending with this publication. Are you going to say that this publication isn't able to get photos for the show? Like, da-da-da, we need to be in here. Like, that person, number one, isn't getting paid to give a shit one way or the other. And number two, like, does not care, I promise you. If you go and you are like persistent enough, you can absolutely get into any show that you want. That's kind of scary for the actual people who belong there. But (laughs) I don't know why they run them like this, but like I've worked multiple shows for like multiple years while I was in school and they were all the exact same. It's all interns running it and they are all overworked and terrified and stressed and they don't care. Like genuinely, they are not being paid to care. You make some good points. Highly, highly recommend if you want to go to Fashion Week, just sneak into backstage and you can go do that at as many as you want. The other insider info about Fashion Week is there are there are parts that are really, really fun. Like some of the parties are really fun. Some of the shows are really beautiful. But the shows last, I mean, it is crazy. It's millions of dollars, so much preparation, so much money goes into building these sets and, you know, rehearsing them and making sure everything's perfect. The lighting, the the insane amount of people that get hired just based on this one show and the show starts and ends in 10 minutes. Like the whole thing lasts maybe 10 minutes and that is it. I've never been to a fashion show ever. You should, I mean, go sneak in, honestly. It's a lot of fun. Um, As a child, I modeled bridesmaid dresses or flower girl dresses once. And it was one of the most stressful experiences walking down the little, it wasn't even a runway. It was a hallway. I don't even, in in the middle of Louisiana. um, I don't know. I, I know I would love it. The whole thing. I mean, it's over in literally 10 to 15 minutes. So this whole production goes on and you're there for like a second And yeah, the show's really cool. Like that part is awesome, but it's over so quickly. And then the people who are, think about the people who are making content about fashion week, right? Like it's not, it's not the models. It's not the celebrities attending the shows. It's like the TikTokers and the influencers and the YouTubers and like the Instagram people. Those are the people who are like, oh my God, I'm going to like six shows in a day. I'm so tired, blah, 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 blah. Like those people are being paid by the brand to make it look really fun. But Fashion Week, like overall, it's really stressful. It's not a lot of fun. And like, you can definitely get in if you want to go see a show. And I definitely recommend doing that because the shows are beautiful. That part is awesome. But everything surrounding that is the most miserable time of your life. You're paying so much money for Ubers. You are constantly stressed about getting to the next place. You're carrying a million different outfits and a million different garment bags. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know why they make it into such a big deal. I don't think it needs to be. This is how I feel about weddings. Yes. Same concept, I'm guessing. A hundred percent. I mean, I love to attend weddings though. I don't want to shit on weddings because I love being a wedding guest, but I would absolutely not ever 
throwy wedding for myself. I want to elope. Right. Like imagine throwing it. It's the same no. concept. Wedding crasher, New York Fashion Week crasher. That's the only way to enjoy them. You have to crash it. Exactly. I mean, not a crasher of a wedding. I wouldn't crash a wedding, I don't think. But I would definitely be a guest. But yeah, like going to a show or two, tons of fun. Like great, great opportunity, great story, great like thing to do on a day if you want to. Doing like the whole thing though and like being in the scene of it sucks. The more you know. That was helpful. I guess we will close out our fashion week talk until next year. Yep. Um, follow my Instagram for more red carpet fashion content. What's the next awards show? Uh, it was the Emmys last night, but I didn't do the red carpet because I'm tired. It's not too late. <laughs> well, now that we're on the subject, do you want to discuss the stylist internship that made you cry? Oh, oh my God. Do you want to? <laughs> I think it just ties in and I don't really know the story. Okay. <laughs> so this was once upon it. This is before I was interning at Fashion Week, but I was still a fashion student. Um, I believe it was my freshman year at FIT. I was an intern for this stylist. And I think I wrote this down a really long time ago when, when we were talking about bad jobs. Um, but it was like probably the worst job I've ever had was interning for this stylist. It was back when internships were unpaid which I feel like is more rare now because there was all that outrage over it. Internships are still very much unpaid. They are. Okay. I feel like for a while we had unpaid interns at like SoulCycle HQ and now we're not allowed to anymore. It shouldn't be allowed. It's not fair. But. Yeah, it's awful. Like interning sucks, dude. I feel for anybody who's doing that. Like it is shitty to do a bunch of work and not get paid for it. But anyway, I was an intern for the stylist who I will not name. It was genuinely the worst experience of my entire life she I, don't, I hate to say it but like she was abusive to like verbally like, to my time and to like even like do, going out of her way to do something kind for me because I would go above and beyond for her like she would have me go to a bunch of stores and like she would have me like be her assistant on photo shoots and things but I would have to go to a bunch of stores and basically go shopping for this photo shoot and put everything on her credit card and just buy a ton of stuff and then do what we talk about and go back and return it all at the end of the shoot. Um, because again, that's the other secret is like so many girls on Instagram, so many professional stylists, photographers, models, all of that, they are not buying everything that they're posting. They're not buying everything that they're shooting. I mean, they'll buy it for a second, but then they're just going to take it right back and return it. You keep the tags for everything. You keep receipts for everything. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that yeah. they kept it. I thought that they kept it to use. I guess they can't use it for other photo shoots. Mm -mm. How do they? I wonder if they get caught. Like, I wonder if they have a name on file at like places who knows do not. Like, I feel like more stylists would be blacklisted from department. I think stores. it depends on where you are and like some. Some people, like, we did a really high-end shoot once for, I think it was L'Oreal. It was, like, a hair dye shoot. And we did a really, like, big shoot with them once. And we got to go to Saks for that one, which was really cool because Saks has a whole section that – I forget what it's called, but it's just for, like, rentals, for magazines, editorial, photo shoots. Like, that part was really cool. I didn't know that. Um, but that was actually – that was when I cried. That was like when I quit and cried because my boss basically, we had been at Saks all day. We were shopping. 
for the shoot. I was helping her out. We had pulled hundreds of looks and they were going to shoot one look. They were going to pick one and shoot one. We had hundreds of options, an insane amount, way too many options. And she left at the end of the day and she was like, yeah, can you just make sure you get all of these to the shoot location? It was, I mean, hundreds of pounds, so many garment bags. She didn't call me a cab. She didn't give me a card to call a cab with. She wasn't like, here's my credit card, call a cab, get yourself dinner and then go home. She was just like, yeah, can you get this from Saks, which in New York, if you know New York, it's up on Fifth Avenue. It's up by Central Park. And the shoot location was on the pier in Chelsea. And so it was really far. There was no way I was going to be able to take the subway with all of that stuff, especially not like that expensive. And so she didn't pay for any of it. I had to call my own Uber. It was pouring rain by myself, carrying like 100 pound garment bags from the Uber to the location in the rain. My back was hurting so bad. And like, I was just doing all of this all by myself. This is what future FIT, aspiring FIT students need to hear. I mean, exactly. This is a huge, I mean, the whole experience was why I like decided I didn't want to be in fashion. And FIT is a great school. If you live in New York, you have in-state tuition. Like it's a state school. It's a SUNY school. Like fantastic business education that I got there. Like I genuinely did enjoy being a student at FIT, but I just don't recommend the fashion industry at all to anyone. I think it's thankless work. I don't think it does anything good for the world. I just think it's like, it's bad for people. And the fact that people like this will take advantage of you. Cause like, I was just a little student, bright eyes, like so excited to be working on my first editorial photo shoot and just like so excited. Yeah. And this like ruined that entire thing for me. Like I left that night and I was like sobbing because I was in pain because I was carrying these super heavy garment bags and I just felt so unappreciated and so used. And I remember being so broke at the time and I called and I was just like, I'm going to pay for an Uber home. I was like, I don't have money for it. And it's going to be like $50 to get from the city to Bushwick. But I was just like, I am so upset right now. I was like hyperventilating and I was so upset because I just had like the worst time. And she just like left me and abandoned me. Are you gaining experience or are you getting taken advantage of? What experience are you really gaining? Exactly. That's really the big question you have to ask. And I think there was a lot of like outrage about this a few years ago. So I thought they tried to do something about it, but I guess maybe it didn't actually hold. And that sucks. Like, yeah, interning is the worst. Yeah. I mean, it's, it just comes with the territory. It's the stepping stone, but it's extremely frustrating. And also it's a little systemic in itself because a lot of people have to have a steady full-time income. And if you're interning for an unpaid internship in order to become the professional and get licensed with what you want to do, you can't do both. So you really just either have to have the money saved up or available to you in order to intern, in order to reach the level you need to, to gain that experience, to move on to the next steps for school How can you do that if you don't come from money or don't have an extensive savings account that you took off from school to build up? It's that Mm -hmm. is a little systemic in itself. Being an intern is almost a luxury to an extent if you're, but I just think most of the time people, if you're able to only do that and not have a full-time job squeezed in, 
But mm-hmm. most people have to do both and they're just worn so thin. Like it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, at the time, obviously I didn't have a full-time job because I was a full-time student, but I was a full-time student. I had a part-time job and I had an unpaid internship and it I mean, it was constant. It was so much work at all times. Yeah. And then you take out student loans and then you get go into debt. Yeah. It absolutely is systemic. I don't know. I would love to be able to tell people like, don't ever do work unless you're being paid for it. I know that that's just, it's not the world we live in. It's not possible sometimes, but I would encourage anyone, like if you have an internship or if you have to have an internship, at least make sure you're getting something out of it that's going to benefit you long-term. Otherwise, like I got nothing out of that internship other than figuring out I don't want to go into fashion. (laughs) Like you want to be able to take something positive away from it. Yeah, completely. I like, I mean, I definitely, my internship is very emotionally intensive and it is very social work driven more than mental health counseling, even though the two are one and the same to an extent, but this is my first internship. So it's just kind of like the do your due diligence, get your hours and experience. And it's not my specialized one. My specialized one will be counseling, but what I'm learning is I'm because it's it's building upon the, my empathy. It's it's I'm gaining experience that is further motivating me to still stick with the field, and it's giving me. I'm just looking at everything differently. But yeah, it's still frustrating because you still want to get paid for what you're doing, and you want to like be able to specialize off the bat. Like you you want to be doing the things directly instead of just watching everyone else do them and like running around doing all the busy work. Um, but anyway, so Caesar Milan's dog killed Queen Wait, Latifah's yeah, what? dog. Caesar Milan's dog killed Queen Latifah's Who's dog. Caesar Milan? He's like the most famous dog trainer. We've talked about him in our dog training episode. Oh. I hate his techniques. I just had to throw that out there because to touch on our dog training episode, this just further proves that my ways work and his don't. And also RIP to Queen Latifah's dog. So sad. Was this recent? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Did it kill the dog, like, while he was trying to train it? Let me look up the article. Hey, you have lots of questions. I'm going to need some more info here. It was in, 20, in 2017, his dog attacked this gymnast and left her unable to perform. But this, separately, last week, his dog um, mauled Queen Latifah's. Wow. Should this become a dog true crime podcast. I thought it already was. Um, I'll (laughs) specify it mauled her dog to death. And I never blame the dog. I only ever blame the owners. Who's the owner? Caesar Milan. Yeah, you have to blame the owner. It's not the dog's fault. And this is another person advocating for, you know, animal rights, all that. I do love Caesar Milan's. I don't know if he's a good person or not, because I think he um, is just another gimmick. And this kind of goes back to AOC's dress. It's like we're promoting shit, but behind the sidelines, there's a lot of bullshit going on. The hypocrisy is running rampant in the world, and we will not stand for it here at Please Stop the Podcast. We won't. Tax evasion. We are anti-tax evasion. We are anti-dogs killing dogs. Yes. Don't let dogs kill dogs. Never have, never will. Please stop Caesar Milan. Please stop Caesar Milan. Please. And please stop AOC's fashion choices. Honestly. This is just a completely unrelated, off-kilter story, but this story brings me so much joy. I don't even know if it'll translate well, but 
when I was living with my English ex, I had met his dad for the first time. His dad's name was Daniel. His English best friend's name was Danny. And his dad was super, really chill guy, but extremely wealthy, successful. He was visiting from us in England from New York. And I wanted to make a good impression. He's also had this um, new wife who was actually such a terrible, annoying, pretentious person. Very judgmental, like just aggravating. But I was Facebook friends with the new wife, his father, and his friend. And there was this meme of... It said, when he, sha- when he shaves his dick and balls. And it was this cartoon drawing of just an old man with a squiggly nose. It wasn't even funny, but I was just talking about shaving, like manscaping with my English ex's friend, Danny. And I went to tag Danny in the meme on Facebook. And I tagged my ex's father, who I just had the dinner with. Zach, hours later, goes, Chaz, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, what is this meme you tagged my dad in? I was like, Zach, I tagged Danny. I didn't tag your dad. And he's like, Chaz, hours ago, you tagged my father in a meme that says, when he shaves his dick and balls. (laughs) And then Zach's stepmom reached out with the dad and just randomly was checked in with us. Like, with him was like, hey, just, you know, nice having dinner, lovely meeting Chaz or seeing Chaz again. I had met them before. <laughs> and they were like, just wanted to make sure, like, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Oh, my God. You scandalized these poor people. I really did not know where that story was going. I kept trying to connect it to Caesar Milan. And I was like, where, where did this come from? There's absolutely no connection. I just, it's been on my mind lately. It's one of those stories I think of and I'll just start cry laughing. I'll find the meme and we can, we'll post it somewhere on the the Instagram just so people can see. But can you just imagine it on the Instagram? I think it needs to go up. I think we should also tag Zach in it. Tag the dad again. Tag the dad again. Also tag the son. The fact that it was for hours and we just had such a formal dinner. That's so funny. (laughs) It's like when you accidentally like, this is... This has never happened to me, thank God. I think I would die if it did. But, like, people who accidentally, they're, like, trying to talk shit about somebody. And instead of sending the story to their friend, they, like, send it to the person. What you're supposed to do when that happens is say, look how ridiculous you sound. So it looks like you're showing them what they're saying. I mean, you look like a dick. But also, it's kind of like, it's a good save if it ever does happen to you. Okay, if you ever send me my own story and then say you sound really stupid, then I'll know what you're doing. I can see your wheels turning like, did Chaz ever do this to me? (laughs) (laughs) I know, now I'm trying to think back. No, I'm always very careful when I shit talk. I make sure. Same. I think I I would die if that ever happened. I would just bury me, put me down. I don't want, I don't want to live anymore. If that ever happens to me. I'm clearly not good at it. One time I almost sent a picture of this guy who I just started dating him. We had reconnected when he had a girlfriend and I did not engage. We were just like stayed friends until they broke up. But my mom was like, show me a picture of him and the girlfriend. Cause they, I was like, Oh, they finally broke up, whatever. And I was texting you at the same time. I was this close to sending him a picture of him and his ex-girlfriend that he just broke up with that weekend. (laughs) Like what would I, in that moment, 
what would I say? Look how stupid you two look. Like, <laughs> there is no going back from it. There, why can't you unsend a text message? Why is there no option? I don't know why they don't let you unsend things. It's so mean. That's bullying. That is just straight up bullying to not allow that feature. I mean, marriages can end over this friendships. It's a problematic. And like also when you accidentally Venmo someone and you have no way to undo it unless they repay you. Oh, yeah. What if you accidentally type in an extra zero or something and then you like now you Venmoed someone like $35,000 instead of $35. And what do you do? You cut your losses. <laughs> yeah. That person's going to flee the country and start a new life. That's you're done. You're ruined. <sighs> Speaking of ruined, I know I've told you, but I just need to tell the listeners, if you haven't watched I Think You Should Leave, there's two seasons. It probably is my all-time favorite comedy show. It's on Netflix. It's scripted. It's so fucking funny. Okay. There's a skit where he's gambling. It's me and my friends, one of our favorite skits. He's gambling and he keeps losing and he keeps screaming, I'm ruined. Just watch it. It's good. I'm doing it no justice. Anyway, your turn to pick a topic. I think I did a great job. Yeah, you've actually done a great job leading us this week. Oh, okay. You wrote this topic, but I do want to talk about it because I agree. I feel like I've been saying this in a different way for years, and I love the way that you wrote it about FOMO. What did I write? I said FOMO is irrelevant because whoever is checking in to see what you're up to is already impressed by you or obsessed with you. The less you run yourself to the less you spread yourself too thin, the better. I don't know. I said less is more. I don't really remember what I meant by that, but I really, I'm so happy that you have, that you're coming to this realization. I'm not going to say you're like cured of FOMO, but I feel like I have always felt this way and I don't get FOMO very often unless it's like, I can't, I can't even tell you the last time I had FOMO because That's exactly it. Like if someone is checking up on what you're doing, that person is already either just obsessed with you or like has way too much time on their hands. Like it's sad for them. And so if you're sitting there checking up on what other people are doing and you're sad that you're not out there doing it, like it's like it doesn't matter to anyone but you. And it's just like sad for you. So instead, like give less of a shit do you. And if you want to stay in, stay in, but like be confident in that decision. I think that is way more interesting and way more like that person is going to have more to give ultimately when they do go out because they won't be stretched too thin. Yeah. I also just found myself posting less. Like I did a lot this weekend that I didn't post anything about because well, for one personal reasons, but for two, I just realized like it's better to be present. Just because yeah. someone's not posting about what they're doing doesn't mean they're not having the time of their life. They probably are, which is why they're not thinking about their phone. Exactly. Like I keep finding myself this weekend, I spent so much quality time with quality people. It was like that, like hyperventilating, laughing to deep, deep conversations, almost crying to like connecting with new people and realizing we have all this stuff in common. Like I was just in the moment. I felt so present this weekend. I really just, it was amazing. And then I realized, oh shit, my story reflects. It looks like I had such a boring weekend. I was like, who gives a fuck? Exactly. Who are you trying to impress on your story? Well, the one person who's been my number one fan stalker since like 2017 is blocked. And all of their fences I keep repeatedly blocking. So I'm like, 
who am I even showing up for? Like I have the memories, I have the connections made. I don't need to relay them. And even if I, well, yesterday I had, I, I had a good balance, but like today I did nothing and stayed in all day. Well, also it was Monday, but I started to feel a little sad, like, oh, I'm wasting the day. But then I was like, no, this is my Sunday today because I had such a jam-packed weekend and socialized so much. Exactly. And it's, it is completely normal to not be doing something photo or video worthy every second of every day. Everyone needs downtime and it's okay to enjoy that off of the internet. Doesn't take away from the fact that you enjoy it. And if you are out and you're not posting, like, who cares ultimately? It's not like you're getting paid to do that. It's not like you have any accountability to anyone whatsoever. So I like, I feel like I do this a lot where I'll just disappear for like weekends at a time. And it's not because I didn't do anything. It's just because I was having so much fun. I like didn't remember to post or also just didn't want to bring my phone out because I was in the moment and enjoying my time with someone. I do like documenting the memories though. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a good balance to strike. There's definitely a healthy balance. And I, I do love taking photos, like especially when you and I are together. I love having those memories because I don't get to spend a lot of time with you. And like when my parents are in town, I always want to take like a shit ton of photos because I don't have that many photos of like me and my parents together as an adult. But you and I are a prime example of we'll take a ton of photos and videos, but keep them for ourselves. Exactly. Like we don't post 90% of the videos and photos that we take when we're together. They're coming. Stay tuned. I'm really proud of you for starting down this journey for yourself of no more FOMO. Well, it's also funny too, because as soon as I take the pressure off, I end up socializing more. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing I'm not doing it because I feel forced or feel obligated. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Tell us about because you did mention it last episode that you were going to meet a long lost cousin for drinks and dinner, right? I'm really disconnected from my family. I mean, my dad's side is completely deceased, to my knowledge. His brother mysteriously drowned on our island. His parents are dead from old age and he is deceased. And that was it. His brother had no wife, no children. So that family is done. And then on my mom's side, it's always been very strained because my mom married my dad and she came into a lot of money. And then a lot of them had a lot of financial issues and some mental health issues and just a lot of obstacles, barriers. But my mom would help out when she could, but sometimes they would take advantage of her. So I never really had the motivation to get to know them because a lot of it to conversations would lead to uncomfortable things about like, oh, so I know you have that nice house and like our house isn't that like just, I don't know. It didn't work for me. So I've just never been close to them and I'm an only child. I have one cousin who I love dearly, but we never really see each other and we don't have much in common. But then there's this one cousin who's my first cousin who's gorgeous. She's so cool. And I just always thought, you know, it's a shame she and I never connected because I think we would have been friends. And she had a brother who, unfortunately, due to personal things, he actually murdered his best friend when they were in high school and is in prison for life. So she basically became an only child when she was a teenager, which is so devastating. She's just been through a lot. We've both been through a lot of traumatic loss. We're exactly 10 years apart. She was born September 11th. I'm September 5th. Um, We hit it off. It's like I've always known her because we had never hung out. 
we finally did. And it was a wonderful, but she said something to me. She was like, I just remember my only memories of you was you running around on all fours and you would always bark at people. And I asked my mom, your aunt, is everything okay with Chaz? And she just said, oh, her parents don't socialize her a lot. (laughs) This is absolutely a dog true crime podcast. But then she was like, yeah, and you know, your dad, because I was like, well, they didn't because they were always home. They never left. She's like, well, yeah, I mean, your dad being in the CIA and mafia situation. And I was like, what? You know? Wait, so that's confirmed? Are, do you want to talk about this? Well, sure? it's not confirmed. This is all alleged, guys. I still, to this I day. Say, you may want to be careful. It's always like, a, it's been an ongoing joke my whole life. But she presented it to me as if she was like, No, like in a very matter of fact way, she's like, was that not the case? And I was like, oh, we always used to joke about that. But, you know, he did a lot of real estate stuff, but he never left the house and never had a cell phone and never had a laptop. But, you know, and she would just kind of go to Florida for a couple of weeks, a few times a year. (laughs) And she was like, huh? Well, I was always under the impression it was just like, apparent like it was just common knowledge that your dad was involved in these groups and I was like okay well you know what and what is the Louisiana mafia like what mafia is obviously we know like the New York mafia is Italian oh it's like a French mafia it's Carlos Marcello so my dad actually did have something going on like either it was like some sort of beef with him, to, but again, this is kind of like, I, my dad would tell me these things and I thought he was joking. But after talking to my cousin, I'm actually piecing together the puzzle a little more, but also I don't want to know. Wow. So your dad like knew Carlos Marcelo. Allegedly. I never knew what was true, what wasn't. And not saying he was, fr- I, he and I just remember him really hating him. And I thought he hated him because... He's this mafia gangster. I don't know. That's the thing. I really don't know. But it was just funny having her go from saying, all I know about you is you always barked at everyone and your dad's in the mafia CIA situation. You also, mafia and CIA are different. So I don't know. No one really knows. Barking at everyone still true, honestly. So not much has changed. I met, this is so weird, long lost family member things. I was the first person in my family to meet my mom's like long lost half sister um, when I lived in New York. And I, it turns out I had an aunt in New York City and she's so freaking cool. She comes to family weddings now. She like visits the family and like we really have like been able to like bring her in to our family because my mom and my mom's sisters and this woman, they share a dad. And that man is now dead. He, like, was never really, like, a good father to any of them. Um, so, like, he never really has, like, felt like family. But they always they knew that she existed. They knew she was out there in the world. But they didn't know anything about her. And I guess, like, you know, when all the old people got on Facebook, however long ago that was, they, like, found her. And she has the same last – like, her last name is all of their – maiden names it's my granny's last name and so they found her and she looks just like my great grandma she looks just like some of my cousins like the resemblance is kind of wild and she's so fucking cool she like is a professional makeup artist in new york city she has this husband they go to burning man they have two beautiful kids like she's just like sick living her best life probably 
have been partying with her if she goes to Burning Man. I keep ending up with all of these Burning Man people. Uh, well, all of this sparked in me. Just It was just a feeling that I don't often feel because I'm, you know, it's different when you're dating someone and you feel like family and you get close to their family. That's different. This was like a feeling of this innate carnal bond. And it made me want my own blood relatives more. Like I hate going through life, not having these connections. It's such a waste. This was a huge thing. Maybe it's like a 30 thing. I feel like in the last couple of years, maybe like 29, 30 for me, I have felt this huge pull toward family and just making sure that like that is an active part of my life that I don't lose touch with it. Because for a really long time, I think we're obviously we're both only children. We both moved to New York City where we don't have any family or like family that we were close to. I didn't even know I had an aunt there for most of the time I lived there. We're just used to being so independent, but like spending time around family is all like I love it so much. That's why I like talk about aligning with my values and moving more into like a career path that allows me to do that because it is such a priority for me. Number 17 on my 30 things just happened to have been the next one was don't take your time with your parents or loved ones for granted. Hang out with them as much as possible, including saving videos, photos, and texts and like voicemails. I've been calling Mary Lou every single night almost. Because I think like you had told me, you were like, the reason you're getting really intense with wanting to be connected and get memories in, it's because your 20s are dying. Not that your parent is dying, but you're relating the two. And lately, I it's been in my mind, like I've been doing the thing where I'm trying to um, just get in the memories. But so I keep calling Mary Lou and I, didn't, I you know, there's going to be one day when your parents are not going to be as vivid in their, you know, in their right minds or in good health. And we're going to wish that we just could have another hour to talk to them when they're more coherent and healthy. And totally. I save all of my voicemails from my dad. It's, it's like an OCD thing. I feel like for both of us, like it's a way to like kind of exercise control over this thing that we know factually we have no control over. Yeah. Like, anything could happen at any time. And it is so much anxiety when you really think about it, being that far away from the people that matter most to you and the people that you love and care about. It's really scary sometimes to think about like whether or not they retain their mental facilities. Chaz and I will absolutely have early onset dementia. So at some point we ain't going to remember anything. You know, what's scary though, on a, a serious note. So my cousin's a nurse and she said, Chaz, you need to remember our grandmother died of breast cancer. And I'm seeing so many women in their 20s coming in with breast cancer. She was like, you need to get tested for the gene. Too. Like really young girls. She worried me because she said, because she said, well, my dad, it's on my dad's side. So I'm not as at risk, but because it's your mom's mom, you're really at risk. And because I was thinking, you know, my dad's mom had Alzheimer's and then my mom's mom had cancer. I don't know. I'm just in this weird, morbid mindset as usual. But like, I keep just trying to be preventative about everything. It's yeah, go get your titties checked. I don't want to though, because then it's like, okay, you have the gene. What am I going to do? Get a double mastectomy? Maybe. I don't know. It just seems really aggressive and Or at least know, like, okay, whatever. Say you find out you have the gene, 
doesn't mean you need to get a mastectomy, but at least then like maybe you start your mammograms way earlier than normal. Cause usually I think you start getting them at 40. So maybe you start yours now and like you just keep better eye on it because you know what you're looking for. And well, it adds having the implants too makes it harder to detect, even though it's still possible. But I'm curious if any of our listeners have been tested for the breast cancer gene. And if so, how old were you? I know one person. I really like your please stop this week. Let's end there. Your please stop is hysterical. (laughs) This week, I would like to please stop people who post videos of themselves crying. It's it's not genuine. It's attention seeking. Um, I also put imagine crying alone and then thinking, let me post this for everyone to see. It's just inauthentic. Sometimes if you're doing it ironically, like I have a friend who will take a picture of herself crying and send it to me as a coping mechanism. And it's hilarious because it's between us. I think that if you're just sending it to one friend, fine. But I know what you're talking about. It's the girls who will video themselves crying on like a TikTok or crying on your Instagram story. And you're just like, what are you like? Why? Why do you want attention right now from like strangers? What are you doing? Well, just imagine a time in your life where you were barely able to catch your breath crying. Did you think in that moment, let me film this and then upload it to feed? No, that's, that's wild to me. You got to draw the line somewhere. I think it's so odd. It's this weird line between like life and performance art. And I feel like everyone is trying to be, everybody wants to be an influencer these days. Everybody wants to like be known on social media. And there's no shame in that because there's a lot of money in it. So you almost can't fault people for it. But like exploiting your personal tragedy or like if it's not about you directly exploiting someone else's tragedy that you're upset about just seems so gross and tacky. To me, for me, it's it's just trying too hard to get a reaction or to be re- relatable. I like breakup diaries. I actually think those are just interesting. I'm intrigued by those because I like to, on TikTok, girls will post like, this is day one of my breakup. And you can see that they were crying and that's human. And I actually appreciate that. But they're not in the middle of a breakdown talking. That's just so, it's, it's like when women film their children, their infants. It's like, what are you, this is too intimate. This is weird. Like That was my please stop this week was... There was a woman who got fined or something, this mommy vlogger who she accidentally uploaded her recording the thumbnail with her son. Yes, I saw that video. That's where this came from. Like it was so odd and just like so gross to watch, so tacky. It was it was kind of unbelievable. It was this mommy blogger trying to get a thumbnail photo for her vlog for the week. She was in the car with her son and their dog had died. And her son was crying and she was like, okay, okay, come put your head on mommy's shoulder, face like this, look at the camera, go like this, like, like you're really sad. And he was like, mom, I am really sad. I'm crying. And she was like, yeah, 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 but look at the camera and make sure you do it. Stop hiding your face. Like show them your face, show them your face. That is so fucked up. Like trying to monetize your child's emotions is so fucked up. Like, they're not a child actor. That's just a kid living his life. And here you are exploiting him so that strangers on the internet can praise you and call you a good mommy. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Don't put kids on the internet in the first place, as far as I'm concerned. I think if you want to take photos of your children and share them, yes, absolutely. I am fully for that. 
share them with your friends and family. Keep that shit private. I don't know why you would ever put a photo of your actual child on the internet because even if your Instagram's private, like you never really know who people are. And that just to me seems no, like, I such a violation. I don't know. Like, I would again, definitely post my child. I just don't. Think- I would never put my child on the. I think like in order to know what's going on with me and like my family, you have to know me. Like I will send my friends photos all day long, but I would never put it on public Instagram. Like I wouldn't. I don't think it's that serious. I would definitely post my child, it, but when it makes like it's their first birthday. I love them. This is, but I think it's sick when you're posting your child's vulnerable moments. That's weird. Child in like a weird little outfit. I don't know. I just see some weird shit. It's so invasive and exploitive. I predict there's going to be a whole branch of counseling dedicated to people who had mommy vloggers and daddy vloggers. Yes, children of influencers. These poor kids. Like you can't keep track of who. 300,000 people are. I'm thinking of a specific celebrity baby Instagram right now. Um, They have 300,000 followers. I feel like that is, that parent is not doing a good job of protecting that child because you don't know who's following it. You don't know if it's a pedophile. You don't know who it is. You don't know what their bullshit is. Like that child ultimately is being exploited and not protected. And they're completely vulnerable to the world. I don't know. That just like seems so strange to me that you would let strangers follow your baby. I mean, I would never make my child its own Instagram. No, I I would. I I mean, I just said it. I would never put my kid on Instagram. Hold me to that too. Well, just please stop filming your child crying and filming yourself crying. That's it. But anyway, that's all we really have for this week. That was actually, I felt like we recorded for 20 minutes. It's been an hour and 20. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, Oh, full moon tonight. Don't know what it means, but it means something. Follow us at pls.pod on Instagram. No, God, you do this every week. It's at, at please stop, P-L-S-S-T-O-P dot pod dot P-O-D. Um, not at please dot pod. <laughs> it's at please stop dot pod. Please follow us. Um, leave us a review if you haven't yet. Leave us a rating. If you see a Please Stop sticker in your neighborhood, leave it where it is. Mind your business. Tag a friend. Tag a friend on the sticker. That's it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Please stop.